Hello, I'm Kathleen Dunn. You're listening to the Ideas Network of Wisconsin Public Radio for this Tuesday morning, the 12th of July. Sydney Blumenthal is our guest the first hour of the program today, former assistant and senior advisor to President Bill Clinton and the author of The Clinton Wars. He now writes for Salon and The Guardian of London. We talk with him today about the Supreme Court. The latest news, in case you missed it this morning, President Bush listened to suggestions from Democrats and Republicans today about candidates for filling the vacancy on the Supreme Court, but he didn't talk about who uh, his favorites may be. Democratic leader Harry Reid said he didn't give us any names. Besides Reid, Bush met with Senator Arlen Specter, uh, chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont, the ranking Democrat on the committee, and Senator Majority Leader Bill Frist. Um, all four lawmakers said the meeting was a positive step in bipartisan consultation with the White House on whom Bush will nominate to replace O'Connor. Um, and then Mrs. Bush this morning on the Today Show said, I would really like him to name another woman, she said in an interview from Cape Town, South Africa. Um, Sydney has written a piece in which he says, ever since FDR breached the conservative fortress of the U.S. Supreme Court, Republicans have dreamed of restoration. Every Republican president attempted to fill the court with judges who would stall, overcome, and even reverse changes in the law and in American society. President Dwight Eisenhower felt appointing Earl Warren chief justice was the biggest damn fool mistake I ever made. Sydney's piece, by the way, is titled The Final Tilt of the Scales with Sandra Day O'Connor's Retirement. Right-wing Republicans see the opportunity of a lifetime to seize the Supreme Court for once and for all. Good morning, Sydney. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, good morning. Good morning. So what do you make of the meeting this morning, the breakfast meeting with all of these leaders? Bipartisan uh, effort, do you think? Uh, I think it's a pro forma meeting. The Democrats have uh, been demanding that under the constitutional proviso for advice and consent of the Senate in appointments that the president confer with them. Uh, and now he can say that he's done his due diligence and he will go about uh, now making his appointment. He's heard them out, and I think that's that. Mm -hmm. Tell me about this organization that you write about in your column, the Federalist Society, and in the end, how they are contributing to the appointment of judges. Federalist Society um, is a conservative organization that was begun in the Reagan era, uh, heavily funded by uh, conservative uh, foundations. It began uh, on a small scale level and has grown to encompass uh, almost all lawyers who uh, are of the conservative persuasion. And it's more than a professional organization, although it holds professional meetings and seminars. It's a political and career network for uh, the Republican right. Uh, it's a way in which uh, especially younger lawyers have risen in their um, careers and politically through appointments. Uh, and today, uh, I would say that there is not a single person who is vested with legal responsibility in the Bush administration who is not a participant in the Federalist Society. Mm -hmm. And when I say legal um, authority, uh, what I mean is the White House Legal Counsel's Office, the Office of uh, Legal Counsel in the Department of Justice, the various council offices in the departments and agencies, all the political appointees, not civil service, but presidential political appointees, 
These are all Federalist Society people. They've networked over the decades uh, very into a very tightly woven uh, network, uh, and they have um, very sharp right-wing views for the most part. You also point to national security, which isn't much discussed as we look at this new nominee, but the court will be making... Uh, significant decisions here and already has looking at the extent of executive privilege as applied to war powers looking at detainees due process etc uh, I, I think that um, the next court and courts after it will be dealing with national security issues to uh, an extent they have not um, in the past um, uh, to the extent that what's called the war on terror will go on for a long time these issues will continue to arise we've already seen two uh, cases come before the court uh, involving um, uh, due process and detainee rights uh, three cases one the Padilla case two the uh, Rizul case uh, and three the uh, 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 Hamid case I believe, and um, uh, you will see more of those, and you'll also see questions involving the president's authority. Um, um, there are uh, people involved um, uh, inside the White House in the Office of uh, Legal Counsel and the Department of Justice. Uh, Attorney General Gonzalez was centrally involved as White House Legal Counsel in um, uh, getting uh, the president to um, sign a document uh, 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 saying that the United States and the commander-in-chief did not have to follow the Geneva Conventions as applied to uh, detainees. The, uh, this policy was uh, taken against uh, the opposition of the senior military and uh, the secretary of state and the State Department at the time. That means Colin Powell. Um, and that has laid the groundwork for the torture policy that followed. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of memos about this involving people. There's already one person, um, uh, Jay Bybee, uh, who was uh, centrally involved and wrote the, uh, the infamous memo, notorious memo, uh, justifying uh, torture, uh, even uh, death, uh, as an acceptable means, um, who was elevated to the... Um, uh, 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 federal bench recently. So um, uh, Gonzalez was asked about his role in torture and said he disapproved of it in his Attorney General confirmation hearings. There are large national security questions involving that and other questions involving police powers, executive privilege, um, secrecy, um, uh, essentially powers in, involve uh, essentially questions involving the power of and centralized and secret powers of the executive in wartime that will come before the court do you so think that's these a are very important questions that uh, will be at issue do you think Gonzalez is the guy if not for O'Connor then for Rehnquist I couldn't predict who Bush will name and whether or not uh, Gonzalez will be named at all um, to any position, I, I have no idea uh, whether Bush has made a decision or what his decision will be. Mm -hmm. uh, my own uh, feeling is that um, we've reached a point where the um, 
conservative wing of the Republican Party has been frustrated over a long period of time, even to the appointment of uh, Republicans to the court. Um, seven of the nine members of the court are Republicans, appointed by Republican presidents. Yeah. Only two have been appointed by um, a Democratic president. <clears throat> president Clinton appointed Stephen Breyer and uh, Justice Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, of these seven, the uh, who are a large majority, there are divisions. Once people are on the court, they have a way of, uh, of making up their own minds. And uh, uh, some of them are uh, very uh, uh, undogmatic in their approaches. They don't feel bound by uh, um, conservative strictures. Uh, and the right wing is very upset with the court. It, uh, it, the court is attacked as a bastion of the left, even though it's 72 Republican. So there's enormous feeling on the Republican right that Bush had, ha, has a unique moment, uh, the opportunity of a lifetime to pack the court with conservatives, and that if he misses this moment, they will lose it for all time. Um, so um, the, uh, the question is, what's Bush's state of mind on this, and what does he want to do, and who is he listening to, and what are his imperatives, and how political they are? Hmm. Probably not Karl Rove. You might be previously occupied. I uh, would uh, assume that Karl Rove is centrally involved in the decision-making involving the next Supreme Court nominee and nominees. Hmm. And he's got other business to attend to. <clears throat> um, he is clearly consulting legal counsel daily himself. Sidney mm -hmm. Blumenthal is our guest this hour. We're talking about the Supreme Court vacancy. He has written a piece about this in Salon, and he writes for Salon and... Um, was a former assistant and senior advisor to President Bill Clinton, author of The Clinton Wars. He writes also for The Guardian of London. Our phone number, our lines actually are all busy, but there will be an opening as time goes by. 800-486-8655. 800-486-8655. To phone calls now for Sydney, and we start with David from San Francisco, California. Hi, David. Yeah, morning. Uh, great show. I, uh, I'm been uh, amazed at how the scam that these uh, federalists have been pulling. Uh, they've been claiming to be conservatives, but they're far from it. Uh, this is uh, uh, there's very little logic to what they've been doing, and the lies that they've been propounding with the corporate media has uh, essentially defied the concept of united you stand, divided you fall. They're, they very much seem to be into division, and they profiteer with division. So I, I'm wondering, uh, it, this came up just before the, the break there, uh, is Karl Rove actively involved in the development of these judges, and would these judges uh, be one, uh, as you probably remember, under Reagan, under Bush Sr., under Nixon, uh, they uh, pardoned the very criminals that, uh, that were uh, running rampant during their administrations. It, would these judges uh, either throw cases or or pardon uh, these uh, uh, very same uh, uh, treasonous fellows? Uh, you know, I, I wish uh, I wonder if your your guest has any ability to talk about that. And then I guess as a little side note, the uh, ability for the uh, the electorate to know, you know, what what's the nature of this conservatism. Uh, when profiteering is is declared good, 
and uh, and conserving is declared some sort of a a, a freak of of uh, the society. Sydney, um, those are a series of very interesting questions. The Federalist Society is a um, a legal organization on the right that is also a political network, and uh, its members in the administration are very interested in certain conservative uh, imperatives as well as advancing their own careers and accumulating political power. Um, if the result is division in the country, that's a byproduct of their quest for power. Uh, in the case, for example, of the torture policy, you have a um, very interesting case of the civilian uh, lawyers in the Office of Legal Counsel of the Justice Department in the White House Legal Counsel's Office, Federalist Society members, pushing a policy uh, abrogating uh, the Geneva Conventions, which you must remember were instituted at, uh, by the United States to protect our own soldiers at the end of World War II, um, against, against the strenuous objections of the U.S. military, Colin Powell, and the State Department. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that was a, uh, that policy has had terrible consequences on the public diplomacy of the country and our image abroad as well as unintended consequences um, that have undermined our foreign policy. So uh, we've seen that they don't care about division. Now, um, uh, uh, there were a number of other issues that were raised by the uh, caller, uh, but um, I think that um, his principal one about the Federalist Society is worth a, a good deal of attention uh, right now uh, involving all of Bush's uh, uh, appointees to the bench, to the Supreme Court, and other federal uh, positions. Um, and uh, I think that the journalists should um, uh, subject uh, to scrutiny uh, the political background uh, that's new here involving this organization. Thanks so much, David, for calling. Let's go to Matt from Lake Geneva next. Hi, Matt. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure.